This is the We Are Her podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the We Are Her podcast. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I've got a guest here with us, and I will let them introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. My name is Boom. Um, I go by she and her, and um, I'm from Thailand. I'm one of the survivors. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, introducing yourself. I really like to give our listeners just a little glimpse into who we have on uh the podcast. And so um, with that being said, we'll just kind of dive right into you sharing your story. So I'll just kind of turn the floor over to you. And oh, I'm getting a little bit of like rattle sound. There we go. Okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and turn the floor over to you and let you introduce yourself. Um, and you can just start sharing your story in whatever way makes the most sense to you, whatever is safest for you. Yes. Um, so I am currently working for the 500 Fortune Company. And um, so the assault happened at the workplace during the company event. Um, we have a leadership outing at the um, some sort of retreat where we um, go camping. And um, so this person that abused me, he was my, my boss. So... Um, what happened was, so we have our, our, our camping, we have the campfire, things like that. So as I'm sitting down with everybody else, he was just coming around and give me the hug from behind, which a hug is it's, it's normal from him, but I just never feel like he's a little close on that day. So as I'm, I'm turned to my right and he just basically give me a big kiss on my lips, which I was stunned and I don't know what to say. And I know he whispered something in my ears. So I, I said, I got to go. So I got up, I went away, you know, I had to do something back in my cabin. So that was five minutes away. I came back just to, you know, looking for my, my roommate, my cabin mate, just like, Hey, you know what? It's almost 10 o'clock PM at night. And let's just see if I can find her and we can say good night to everyone. And, and we can go back to our cabin. So I didn't find my cabin mate. So I looked for her. I didn't see anyone. So I looked from the cabin. I looked down where the campfire area is. And I saw there's probably about five or six people doing karaoke. They were just singing. So I'm like, all right, well, it's, it's, it's bright. It's nothing that I should be worried about all these people. I work with them. So I'm just going to stop by, just to walk by and say goodnight. So as I walk over there, my former boss, he sat at the, the picnic table. And he's like, oh, here, sit down, sit down for a second. And I'm like, 
okay, I think you just did something weird to me, but if I sit down, there's four or five people in front of me, I shouldn't have anything to worry about. So I sat down and as I sat down, he's about twice my size. So he quickly, and all of this happened in 15 minutes where he just grabbed me like, like a bear hug from behind and he lifted me up to sit on top of him and he started raping me. Um, so I was, you know, when they say like flight, fight or flight and you just freeze, I freeze and I don't know what to say. I have a, I have a t-shirt on and a gym pants, which is nothing, you know, it doesn't matter what I wear. I did not give him any, any reason to do what he did. So, um, so as he do that, he just like grabbed me and I have no, no chance to say anything. And I look up and I wanted to yell for help. There's people that just, I def, they definitely see what's going on, but I don't know why they didn't say a word or anything. So I just, he, yeah, he did that. And then I'm just like, okay, how can I get out of here with, you know, my bottom? I can't, I have nothing as he pulled it down and all of that happened. So I told him uh, and he said, well, let's, let's go somewhere else. So I'm like, okay, good, because I need to get out of here. So in my thought, I want to be able to walk away so I can cuss at him or whatever. So we did that. And he, I told him, to go ahead and go um, leave, leave first. So he did. And then um, I follow, not by hand, but just follow him just then I can say something. And as I went around the corner, so he quickly grabbed me and just went into a room and just raped me again. So that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and this time I, I'm like, my plan was to tell him, I'm like, hey, this is not cool. I can't believe that you do this to me. You know, I didn't say anything because he, he was my boss and he's the boss of everybody in that campfire area. That's why I, in, in my mind, I still feel like maybe I shouldn't say anything because he's a boss and he can get me in trouble. So, but when he raped me the second time, I'm like, oh, oh no. So I kick him, but he's heavy. So I can't get him off of me. Finally, when I did, and I told him this time, like, hey, you know, let, let's just go to another cabin. Let's go somewhere more quiet because I want him to leave. So he's like, okay, well, let's go. But I told him, no, I need you to go first and I'll, I'll follow you later. So when he left, I locked the room and I put myself together and I pretty much, you know, tiptoe out and ran as fast as I could back to my cabin. So obviously I did not see him that night and I just, you know, that, that's how I, I chose to escape. So I got back to the cabin. I did not say anything to my roommate. I was bleeding pretty bad, but I just don't know what to say. I'm like, oh, I just. I was just raped by our boss. So I didn't say anything. I went to bed. The next morning, we have the breakfast and stuff as a group. And I didn't see him. And I was very puzzled. So I'm like, what, what's going on last night? So I asked my friend. I sent a text to my friend who has nothing to do with my work. I'm like, hey, you know, this is what's going on last night. I'm not sure what's going on. Why am I still thinking about it? And my friend say, did you... Did you give him consent? Did you say yes to him? Do you want it? 
I'm like, no, I didn't want it. And I'm hurting. And I, that's why I'm asking you. And when she say, you know what, you just been raped and he just took advantage of you. So since then, it wasn't really sinking at all. That first day, I'm just still thinking. I didn't say anything to anyone. The next day, I went back to work. I didn't see him. We don't work closely, but he's my he's still my immediate leader who who work with me. Um, until four days later, that's when I got a phone call from our um, HR department and say, "Hey, um, I." I need to ask you a question because you you are part of investigation. That's when I I start panic because I, I don't know what to say to to work. You know, just just that's why I wait that long. And so I went to the doctor. Just you know, I that's that's the first person that I talk to is my um, my OBGYN doctor because I want to make sure that everything is good. And I remember I broke down with her in in that office. You know kick the nurse out. I'm like, I have something I need to tell you. And when I told her that, she offered to call the police for me. She, she asked if if you report to anyone. And I say no, because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. That's that's the job that I love. And it's been 18, 19 years I work for this company. So I definitely fear of being retaliated big time. So after I talked to HR and, and it just... I feel like the HR just already faulted me. I feel like I'm already at fault the way that I was asked because the question was like, um, what did you do? And were you involved in, in any inappropriate conduct? And I say, what do you mean by saying that? And she, and this person say, well, I was told we, they, they got a report that there were two um, leaders who get involved in inappropriate conduct. That's when I think I, I was driving and I, I had to park. Like I, I was at the point where I need to say something and it did not come out pretty because I broke down a scream to the person on the other end. And I say, I was sexually assaulted by this person. And this is the first time I spoke up. Um, that's when she have a long pause and got very quiet. And she say, okay, please don't move, you know, stay where you are. If you are driving, don't, don't drive, just stay. I'll give you a call back. So I sat there for a good 15 minutes and just cry and sobbing in my car and just people walk by and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, just, just leave me alone. I'm okay, but I can't talk to anyone right now. So then um, the HR person called me back and say, go ahead and go home, you know, until we call you and um, please go ahead and call our um, employee assistant program because um, we're going to hook you up with, with those people. So I did on the drive home, just, you know, I call and I still remember as soon as I got home talking to these people and they'll say, they'll go ahead and, and um, make appointment for me for a psychiatrist because I keep telling them that I just want to drive my car and, and kill myself. So they say, don't do that. They have me write piece on the piece of paper. You know, this is not my fault. I probably wrote to like a thousand times. Just like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. And she say, well, keep writing it until it sink into you. Um, so after that, you know, I, I was in, it's almost like in a twilight zone where I couldn't talk to anyone. Um, I was at home. I have my 
So leaders from the company all the way up to the VP um, give me a call. It's like twice a day, almost like a clockwork where they call me at nine o'clock and then 6 p.m. Just, just to say, how am I doing? So that's when I feel a little bit better because I guess um, I think my reputation at work, because I'm not, I'm not a party woman. I'm just very career driven. I look out for everyone and I, I hardly ever drink alcohol. So, you know, everyone say this is not your character. So I, I appreciate that they call. But um, a week later, that's when I got a phone call from um, from the senior, senior leader that um, this person has been terminated, his employment, and he's gone. So during the time that I was waiting, it was about seven days from the time that it's from the time that it was reported to my work and from the time that he was let go. And, um, and do you mind me asking, was that somebody else who was there that who reported it and and they might have like not framed it completely accurately? Because I'm they kind of yes. came in with some questions that would not would suggest that maybe someone was not seeing the situation the way that it actually was. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I never forget those faces because um, I'm not sure either they just afraid to say something to the boss. So they just let it happen. And I, I have a question until today. I'm like, what if it's their mom, their wife, their sister is the one who in my shoes, will they say something being that stranger, you know, or, or something, something, something odd happening in front of you because um, I did report to the police finally um, after after I was told to be off work I finally got courage to call the police and I was scolded by the police that um, why didn't you call right away why why you call me now I can't I can't take a report from you unless you meet me at the incident site and I I almost pass out from hearing that. I say I I can't I can't even see the tree. I can't see picnic table. It I I I'm still traumatized from that. So no way, no way I can be there. So I finally asked them, can you please get me with somebody else? So the next day, that's when they did, and they apologized profusely for for that officer saying to me. So yes, so I was. I was interviewed by the, um, I have two detectives assigned to my case and they came to my house just to, to interview and stuff. And um, so basically they asked the same question. I'm like, what about those audience? Did they not say anything? Did they, because you didn't scream, that makes sense. But from this, from the location where you are at, they definitely see it because these people, they're standing up and I'm sitting on the picnic table. And they sing in karaoke facing me. So definitely they see two people sit on top of each other and moving in the weird move. So, but nobody say anything. And I can appreciate, I guess, being in that situation as a bystander being like, well, I'm not sure. Like maybe it's consensual. This is awkward. I don't want to, you know, but I think in all of the bystander intervention trainings that I've been to, it's like better to err on the side of caution and to just like say, are you okay? Or like, hey, 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 what's going on here? Or just to like make sure, you know, if you're not sure, then it's better to make sure because for something like that to be happening in plain sight like that is very suspicious. And if there's any feelings of like weirdness, it's better to just check in with someone than assume that it's consensual and ignore it. 
Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, so there could be something where they don't like this particular boss, so they find it as an opportunity for to take him down because he was let go, obviously. So, um, but I feel like I'm part of the 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 frame. I'm being framed for for something, which it was this was really difficult for me. I was. I already have vacation plan at the time on um, to go on vacation to go home, um, Thailand. So, so it was perfect. So I was off for two weeks because of you know they want to make sure that they take care of him, get him out, all of that. And then I flew out. I went home for three weeks on vacation. So that was nice. And my my family has been very supportive. Um, my sister and my mom, they're planning the trip for me. And they asked, I'm like, oh, we were going to plan the trip to go camping. Maybe we should cancel that because we want to make sure that you're not in the environment that's going to rem remind you of, of what happened. So the trip away really, really helped me um, clear my mind, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. When I came back, So um, my my leader told me, uh, whenever you're ready to come back to work, just let us know. You know, it could be months, years, whatever. But I know who I am. I have to be. Um, I have to face my fear. If I don't, I'm not gonna heal. Um, I want to heal. I want to be able to move past this, even though it's gonna come back. Because I was really, really traumatized. Just. Every every time I hear the ringtone of the phone, I hear his name. I because people still talk about it and facing thousands of employees that I work with, you know, and they they definitely knew what's going on with him because he was walk out, um, he was terminated, but nobody know what's going on with me except I went on vacation, so. If they hear something, it might be oh, you know, maybe she was involved, maybe she got fired. Also, there were so many speculation. There were so many things that people are talking that it was make me scratch my head. I'm like, wow. Some people say, oh yeah, she had dinner with him. <laughs> like, I don't know him that close. It just I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So when I show up back to work. Everyone just kind of surprised. They feel they they want to say something, but they don't know what to say. And I'm the same way. I'm like, well, my first day, I only able to talk to one person, and then the next day, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna talk to two more, just just to expand my com comfortability to 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 see more people and talk and stop myself from thinking that oh, you know, people start thinking about me. They think about me this way. I'm like, no, you know what? I can't control. But what are you going to do? Walk in the office with a megaphone and be like, "Hello, everyone! Our boss assaulted me." Like, no, it's, it's, it's really uncomfortable to talk about, and I, especially in a professional workplace setting. Like, you know, that's where you you want to be a part of the team. You want to be respected for your mind and for what you can contribute. And yes, and he like it got in the way of that. Yes, it was. It was. It was definitely a blur, blur moment, month to month. Um, one thing that I didn't tell you is that. The detective asked me if I have any rape kit done, and I say no because I just, I just don't know where to begin. I didn't, I didn't do it. So he say, all right, so we can do this. We can um, do the they call um, control call. Basically, they have me um, call him, and they were right there with me, two of them, just to recording, and they give me the um, the list. 
the question to ask him. They say, go ahead and throw all your emotion. You want to scream, you want to cry, you want to cuss, just, just do it. So I call him. He didn't answer. Went to wow. the voicemail. So I text him and this is all police like give me the list. I'm like, go ahead and do this next. They gave you the green light. Yeah. You're like freaking like a spy or something. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, like, go ahead and do this next. So I'm like, all right, I'll text him. I'm like, okay, um, can you please call me back? I'm, I'm really concerned about um, my health, you know, because I don't know what you have, diseases, all that. So he finally called back. And I rem- I still remember I was like high fiving with the with the police, you because know, they sit in front of me. They're like, okay, now we're gonna record it, and they have a piece of paper and they write it. Wow! And they and they're just like, okay, next question. Okay, next question. It's a sting operation. Yes. So so um, um I did that, and finally I I basically it, it was difficult because they say go ahead and talk in detail about what he did to you. So I had to go through and like. Hey, did you remember that you do this to me? Did you remember you hurt me this way? Did you? So, and, 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 and I told him like, Hey, I haven't told my husband yet, even though this, yeah, this is one of the questions they tell me to, to, to talk, ask him to say, how did he tell his wife and ask him to say in detail. So I say, okay, you know, like do this, this, that. And finally he say, I'm very sorry for what I did. So that's when police is like, good, get him confess more, get him say more. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, well, you know, you ruined my life. You ruined my, my professional career. I, I was, and I don't, I don't say, I don't say curse word much in my life. <laughs> I, I probably let them all out that day. Cause it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, I know yeah. with, with, with my accent, it's just so funny when I say those words. So, but I didn't, I didn't hold back. I was crying. I was screaming. I was, I was very very upset because it's not actually fake it's not like this is you're not an actor you actually had to call your rapist and like and like try to trick him into confessing but like that's very that's intense yes and i did say that i'm like you his name and i say you are the fucking rapist yeah and I couldn't believe that you do this you know you have a daughter and he's like i can hear his daughter in the background talking to him and he's like yeah I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out my my family my wife mad at me and my my kids it's I'm like that's not my fault it is your fault you chose to do this to me I have nothing to do with it and he said well because you are very smart you are very beautiful and I that's why I look out for you at work and I, I'm like I didn't ask for this. I never asked you to look out for me. I'm a grown woman. I'm a professional career woman. I don't need you. I I talked to you because I trusted you as a as a friend. Like now you violate my trust. You violate my body, and you feel like you know because you see me being submissive and and that that just nature of myself. You know, that's that's how I was I was raised, you know, being and, and that's something I want to talk about it is that being an Asian woman, you know, it, it's almost like um, it's almost like a stereotype where we are um, submissive and exotic. And those are the words that he said to me. He said, well, you're beautiful, you're exotic. I'm like, is that even appropriate word to use with me as someone who worked for you? And he said, well, I thought that we have we have a good relationship. And I told him we don't. We have a good relationship as I'm talking to you professionally and on the email. 
But as far as um, outside work, I don't even go out or hang out with him. This is like truly, I, I, I truly did blame myself for once that um, I let my guard down with, with somebody that I feel so trusted that I can talk to. But, you know, he went further and far and beyond to do what he did to me. Well, and there's a power differential there. He's your boss, you know, like he wields power over your career. Um, all of the reasons that you had listed before about being worried about getting fired or, you know, all of that is totally valid. He's a, a senior official above you. And so it immediately sets up this dynamic where he, you can't, ex, you can't exploit power unless you have it. And he had it. So he exploited it. Totally. He even said, I'm like, you got nerve to say this. He say, um, remember, like, every year I give you a really good raise? I'm like, you kidding me? You say this? <laughs> As, like, a justification for his behavior somehow. Right. So, um, so yeah. So, well, once he's gone, he's out of my picture. So I focus on my healing. So I went to see counseling sessions, so, so many of those. I... Um, I did exercise, so basically I teach fitness class as a volunteer at a hospital. So um, I still remember the first day I went back to teach because I have to be on the mic and I, I'm still feeling weird about being back in, you know, around people. But then my friend, my best friend who, who know about what's going on, she asked me if I'm going to be okay talking, you know, because you have to talk and tell people what to do. And I say, yes this is the best place to be for me right now because I felt that my voice was disappear when it happened, when I was in danger. So I need, I need a platform. I need somewhere that I can let my voice be heard. So during the class, it was cardio class. I, I remember I scream, I talk so loud. I was all energetic and I feel great after that class. It's almost like, okay, this is, this is this is the reason why I I need to keep healing. I need to keep going because if I if I stop, then he win. So I, I can't let that happen. You got like a little taste of it, and you're like more 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 healings. Yeah. Yes. So I start doing that. I I, I start um, looking for something that will help motivate me to um, to keep going. I help others. I volunteer. I start reading about the We Are Her, and 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 this is this is like really awesome platform. I think I think We Are Her is the first first place on the internet where I look up. Just I'm like I I I'm, I hope I'm not alone, and sure enough, I was not alone. I have so many other people that just like me, you know, and and a lot of people. And I'm looking at myself twelve months later. I see myself completely different. Where um, I'm, I'm more speaking up of what is not right. I will, I will not wait. There is no time to wait anymore. I just say something. Um, let me talk about the trial. So I, I did not get to the trial. I did file the report. Like I said, the detective did their job, submit everything. This happened in um, October 2019. So a year later with COVID and all. So October 2020, that's when I got an email from a um, state attorney that they want to interview me and they want to talk about the case. So I went on the video, it's a virtual. And so she was asking me all these questions of what's going on. It was 
it's almost like a, I'm being re-traumatized again because they ask me I'm like, okay, this and this and that. Did you remember if he zip up his shorts or not? And um, why didn't you say this? So I'm like, okay, you know, I feel a little offended right now because you tell me that it's like, he's like, and she's like, well, you know, I have to ask this question because I want to make sure that I can prove your consent. So a week after I got a letter in the mail that say they're not going to move forward with my case because they cannot prove the consent because I didn't say anything. I have a lot of people surrounded at that time and I should have said something. I, at the loss of word, I just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take it as a positive road where you, I have been working so hard to heal and to be re-traumatized again, to be in court and to be doing all of that. I, I think, I think at this point, present time, my life already, I decided to move out, move forward and move forward for further and far enough. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And like court proceedings, that stuff takes forever. And it's like, they can, you know, if it had happened all like around the time that the, the rape occurred, it might've been more cathartic, but then like a year later, after you've already made a ton of progress, it's, you know, going back through the through the court process is not easy. And they try to attack your character and you have to sit there and listen to them smear your name. And you're going to have to sit there with like his friends and family and your friends and family, like having your name dragged over the coals and like that. And there's no guarantee that he there would be justice served anyway. So it's you have to weigh kind of like the the pros and the cons. pros and cons. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, and I'm just thinking, I talked to my parents, I'm like, is this the right decision to make? And they say, ultimately, it is It is your decision. Um, however, work for you, if you choose not to pursue, then and it, it helps you, then, then go for it. So that's what I chose. It's not that I don't want to fight, you know, I don't feel defeated. I feel more fulfilled where I can put the rest, I can put it to rest where I would never run into him anymore at work. At least if I see him on the street, we live in the same town, but I, so far I have not run into him. Um, and if people are going to talk about a case, who cares? You know, I don't talk about it. And if, if they're going to start speculate things, that's something I can't control. And fighting looks different for everybody. Like fighting can mean going to court, but you healing and taking care of yourself and thriving, that in and of itself is a fight. And it's a big fuck you because he didn't win, you know? Yeah, I feel like um, it's it's a lot that I want to do for me because yeah. if I go to court, it's more like for him to give him a floor to justify himself. Oh, heck no, no. I, I chose to do things for myself. So I... Um, that's that's why I start doing a lot more volunteer. I'm a I'm the a counselor for on the crisis text line for um, to help people. So I went through that training, just you know, and I help people. I feel good that I can help someone. I start donating blood every eight weeks just because I feel like if I if I can't make any difference in my situation, I want to be able to make a difference in other people's life. So. And one other thing, I have a teenager son who is going to be 17. So when all of this happened, I'm home a lot. And um, so my my children, 
I didn't tell them why. I'm just home. Then I'm, I didn't go to work, and so I'm like, do I want to share it with them? Do I want them to know at least my my little one? No, my teenager. I'm raising a young man, so I'm just kind of debating. You know, reading a lot and asking friends that that working with children. So I finally came out probably about around Christmas time because you know I'm very close to my 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 children both, and I. I hug him and I say, "Hey, you know, can we have adult talk?" And he say, "Yes." So I said, "Okay, did you remember when I was when I was home a lot last year for two three weeks? Do you ever want to know why?" And he say, "Yes." So I say, "Okay, let me let me explain to you this. Do you, what? How would you describe the word rape? How would you describe the word consent?" How do you understand those two words? And then I have him put together. And when he explained that how he understand, then I told him, "So that what happened to me? I was raped without giving consent." And my son, he just stopped me and he gave me a hug, right, really tight hug, and he say, "Mom, if if you can't talk about it." If it's gonna hurt you, then you can stop. I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what, and I promise you, I will not be the man that you were disappointed. I will be the man to protect women. I would grow up to be the man who will not hurt any woman, either physically or mentally. So that that moment, I I I was I was crying for for. For a long time, and I'm like, and he's like, I'm not gonna let you go until you tell me. So he was hugging me. It's like a, he's just holding me, and just he's like, he's like, I'm like more, he's like hug me more, you know, longer. <laughs> oh, that's such a brave thing that you did, and a really difficult personal decision. But I think what you were able to do in that moment was have the difficult discussion so that he can. No, I mean these things happen. You know, this is real, and I even really loved how you specifically asked, like, "Do you want to know?" You were asking for his consent, in and you didn't just like drop it on him because maybe he wasn't ready. You know what I mean? But he, I just like the way that you handled that conversation was so graceful. Um, yeah, and and a really powerful teaching moment for him. It sounds like too. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's. I, I think it's it's how I feel like I'm I'm healing. This is how I'm giving back. This is how I'm, you know, teaching and um, make sure that children, my children, they are prepared for such a cruel world in the future. You know, because who know what's gonna happen? You know, like my my children, they know about consent very well. So in the, at least the last two years, we do a lot of those. We do a lot of asking, and it, it's. It's cute and funny sometimes where I see my um, my little one would ask the dog. I'm like, "Can I take you for a walk?" And <laughs> and then he would come and ask me. I'm like, "Oh, the dog did not give me any wacky tail or anything, so I didn't take her." So I'm like, "Oh, okay." So he understand like you don't you don't force someone to do something that they're not wanting. So um, you know, so I feel like okay. You know, it's it's just slowly chipping it away one at a time, um, and at work, you know, since since all this happened to me, I 
start reaching out to um, to the um, HR team and diversity inclusion, just kind of like, hey, you know, I am here. I want to be advocate on a lot of things. Please um, use me. I want to be part of it. I work directly with about 60 employees that I that I manage. And my office is almost like a counseling office right now where they would just like talk to me just about anything, you know. So I'm like, okay, if if it is your story and just like how I would tell any survivor, I feel like it is important that um that the survivor or anyone that been been um assaulted to be heard, to be believed. And to be told what happened is not their fault because that word helped me um, to get through those difficult moments in my life. Yeah, you had to write it over and over and over and over again, Um, which it can be hard to believe, you know, because it's such a confusing, overwhelming situation. It's so much to process and we're so conditioned to think that we're, you know, we're asking for it, that convincing yourself first is kind of that first big step. Absolutely. And and, and you right, you hit right on where you say that it, it has to start from from you. Like for me, if I don't believe myself that I want to heal, then I'm not I'm just going to stay in the square one and I'm probably still be one of those uh, person who I don't want to shower cuz that's it, it, it's stuck in my head that he say, oh, you, you are beautiful, you exotic, you are smart. So I'm like, I want to be everything opposite. Maybe that would save me. I didn't take shower for like a couple of days, maybe a week. I just let my hair just look yucky because I'm like, well, this is the way that I'm going to be safe from anyone. I'm like, nobody can touch me. I just, I was, I was, I was not who I am. And I want to be someone that can get past this so and that has been my my message to you know to anyone that would come for advice from me I'm like look you know I don't have the best advice but what I want to tell you is you have to believe in yourself first and I actually think like when it comes to empowering people sometimes like giving advice isn't even the most helpful thing because ultimately for that person to reclaim their own power they need to find what it is for themselves that they want to see happen and what will be helpful to them it's like I can't necessarily tell you you know what to do but I think just being with someone and telling them that you believe them, just like you said, I see you, I hear you, I believe you, it's not your fault. That in and of itself is just like so inherently empowering for people who have had their power taken away. Yes, absolutely. Could not agree more for that statement. And uh, yeah, you have to to make peace with yourself all over again. That's, That's how that's how you have to to heal and when you find that that pinpoint where you say okay this is from this day forward i'm going to um, not forget about it you you forgive him because for your own sake it's not you forgive him because he did not do anything wrong you know what he did to impact you impact your body impact your mind but you know, this is the the choice that you choose that you're going to go forward with, with, you know, being, you want to live your normal life. You, you're not, it's not okay. You're not tolerate that someone try to normalize that, oh, 
touching someone without consent is okay, or I'm being your boss and you got to do what I say, it's okay. That's why, you know, as far as um, assault or do something without being asked at the in the workplace, you know, I, I think. And it is also not easy being that a lot of workplace have have policy, including my company. They do have the policy for um, the sexual assault in the workplace and how to report it. But what if somebody who introvert, not able to speak up, you know, I... Because of what happened to me, my company have the um, like anonymous report where you can do it from your phone. Because um, before that time, it used to be just um, just a phone call. You have to make the phone call, do it, um, um, call to the HR. Which I'm like, I'm fo- I'm the first person who said who will tell you that I would not make a phone call. I'm not comfortable talking to my own family about this. Why do you think I'm comfortable talking to? a co-worker, stranger. So, you know, I would feel better at a time to type something. So um, th- those, are, those are feedback that I give it to the HR people who who capable of making this policy um, to av- um, available for everyone. So I'm like, hey, you know, looking from my perspective, I would, I would have reported right away had I felt comfortable. And there has to be some more training. There has to be um, something that you can encourage and embrace people that, hey, or empower. It's okay to report when someone did something bad to you. That should not be the culture of, oh, you know what, just keep putting it under the rug because we don't want this department to have a bad name for have something bad happen. And you made such a, like, that's a huge difference. Even the fact that HR was able to implement one new policy where people can text instead of having to call. It sounds so simple, but it makes a huge difference for like how this actually plays out in real life. So it's really cool to hear that, like, you know, despite the fact that this horrible thing happened to you, you were able to make your workplace a better and safer place for everybody. Yes, indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been contributing, you know, and and I know I see myself very um, become more confident in in supporting and you know because I feel empowered now, so I'm empowering others <laughs> to like don't don't be afraid, you know. If if something happened, you say something. Just just don't be afraid. And I have to say, as someone who like, um, you know, you had just talked to yourself about maybe being a little bit more shy or reserved. I'm like, oh, and the power is radiating through this computer right now. I'm serious. Like you're a strong woman um, and a badass. So yeah, it's like really, I can like feel that strength and confidence in the way that you're sharing right now. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it it took a lot, but it shouldn't take this experience to become someone stronger. But hey, you know what? It's 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 a positivity that I chose to take from this experience. 
And you're, and you're, you're now passing that on to your sons, like the explicit conversations around consent. Like so many of us did not get that in our households. And, you know, I used to be a a healthy relationship educator and I would go into high schools and talk to teens. And it was the first time they were ever hearing that information when they were like juniors, which is too late. You know what I mean? And so if it can start inside the home from, from, you know, a safe and, and trusted adult like you to your sons, like that makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Totally agree. You know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a mom. So I, I want to make sure that I prepare my children for the future. So when they have their wife, their girlfriend or, or significant other, you know, they will, they will treat them right. They will treat them the way that that person wants to be treated. And, you know, just just those to me, that's an important, important values for me to to implant in them to become a, a better citizen of the world, you know, yeah. you say. So, you know, and, and, you know, just just one other thing is that I, I speak a lot for being Asian women because, you know, those those are things that I feel like is that my fault that I'm being like submissive is is that my fault that I'm not speaking up enough is that my personality that's why he chose to 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 rape me because he know that he's like oh you you're not gonna say anything because you don't you don't say a whole lot you're very quiet and I'm like how can I change that stigma how can I how can I embrace how can I make sure that people don't see people don't see the Asian woman to to be submissive you know but it's it's a it's a hard I think it's a hard truth that we see nowadays. You know, it, it's 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 very it's very difficult to change. But you know, I can only continue to 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 voice my my voice. You know, because the rape culture it is so real. I I think it is so real where the cultural practice that um, excuse or tolerate the sexual violence by ignoring or uh, normalizing that it is okay to to say certain thing or to do the cat calling you know the woman like the the boss that former boss that raped me he's like oh you beautiful and you smart and you speak so many languages I'm like okay but that doesn't give you consent to rape me to get that close to me without I'm telling you it is okay Right. And I think you are bringing up such an important point too around like, where do these things come from? Like people who rape don't just wake up one day and decide to rape somebody without ever having, with nothing behind it. It's not just like the spur of the moment decision, like harmful attitudes and thoughts and stereotypes and beliefs start brewing under the surface and Things like viewing Asian women as being submissive is one of those stereotypes where he probably did think that he could take advantage of you because of that stereotype. That's still not your fault. That's on him. But it does point to the bigger cultural issue where like these are these things don't just pop up out of nowhere. Right. There's other, um, you know, factors happening under the surface. And a lot of those are those stereotypes, those gender roles, those um, those harmful attitudes and beliefs that escalate over time into, you know, more physical forms of violence. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. So, you know, I'm just hoping that our society will start looking at this, you know, that people, people brought up from different backgrounds and we all have our differences. And 
your translation of this person saying okay it might be it might look different you know so if you don't really know what's going on you need to you need to understand the differences i guess you know just to take the time and understand understand why understand why people say certain things you know from you know i have a lot of of friends you know the l lgbtq you know i have a lot of those where um i talk about this with them and it's like well you know we we got we got assault too but because people don't understand us so that's why i'm i'm very open minded when it's come to listening and offering my my ear so i'm like okay share with me cuz i'm interested to know why and maybe maybe our little voice you know about 10 of us or 20 of us can turn into millions just to save and change this rape culture from happening in the future yeah and that's um that's exactly right like by the time something like a rape happens and we intervene in that situation we're just treating the symptom of a much bigger problem and so like what you're doing with your kids that's called prevention and that's the only way we're going to make a difference we can't just wait until things have already escalated to violence we have to start doing that cultural change right now so it's yes. really cool to hear that's kind of like where you're at and making a difference there yes certainly certainly yeah well um yeah, I think it kind of feels like we're coming to a natural close here, but I always kind of like to give the last word to our guest. And if there's any like final thought that you would want to leave a listener or just kind of like a final thought that you want to convey, like I'm going to give you the last word here. So um, I just want to say to everyone that happened to experience what I had or similar, it's okay to to feel the feelings Allow yourself to feel angry. Allow yourself to feel sad. Allow yourself to to have all those thoughts because once you keep it inside, you are not going to to have an easy road to heal. Like I was very angry of what happened to me. I was angry at him. I was angry at me. And then once I get past that, it's just like a grief process. I would I would suggest, you know, follow that. Allow yourself to grieve. This is just just the same with grieving. Um, and once you get through all of that, now it's almost like everything just wipe out. You move all the boxes out from your mind and it's out. And now you can rebuild that positive boxes from the bottom up. And you fill your body and you fill your mind with with everything positive, then you you build it much stronger because you went almost like you went to hell and back, and that that is so true for me. So um, good luck, and you know, just make sure that you understand. I want you to know that you are believe, and it's not your fault. Write it a thousand times, and you'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a wise practice. We're putting it out in the world as a suggestion to try. I love it. Um, wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Boom, seriously so much for sharing your story. Like I said, it's powerful and you're a strong, badass woman and um, you've given so much wisdom and I think it'll really resonate with listeners. It's definitely resonated with me. So um, with that, I'm going to stop recording and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Oh, thank you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. 
If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.